Ashley Brock reading Diane Palmer's book, True Blue. Chapter 8. Don't look at me. Rick said, I didn't come here to prove anything. We're going to move forward, removing papers from her purse. We were sure that you wouldn't accept anyone's word, General, she said gently, so we took the liberty of having a DNA profile made from Sergeant Marquise's last physical when blood was drawn. She gave Rick an apologetic glance. Sorry. Accepted. The general read the papers, frowned, read some more, and finally handed them back. That's pretty convincing. Good nodded. Glanced to Rick, who was standing apart from the others, hard faced, with his hands deep in his pockets of his slacks. The general studied him from under thick black lashes with some consternation. His whole life had just been turned upside down. He had a son. The man was a law enforcement officer. He was not bad-looking. Seemed intelligent, too. Of course, there was that severe attitude problem. I don't like baseball. Rick said courtly when he noticed how the general was eyeing him. Mocking eyes, thick eyebrows. You don't like baseball. In case you were thinking of father-son activities, Rick remarked truly. I don't like baseball. I like soccer. Mocking eyes, thick eyebrows. So do I. See? Gwen said grassy that's all because this was going on. Already something ain't coming. Go down. While she was trying to understand the quick command from the general, Rick responded by tackling her. Rodrigo had Gracie in the limo, which had bulletproof glass. And Marconado hit the ground with his pistol drawn at the same time Grange opened up with an army issued repeating rifle. What the hell? Rick exclaimed as he leveled his auto own automatic along with Gwen. At an unseen adversary tracking his direction from the bullets hitting the dust a few yards away. Carver, I ain't a now. Grange called into a walkie-talkie. Several seconds later, there was a huge explosion, a muffled cry, and a minute later, the sound of an engine starting and roaring. Dust cloud becoming visible as a person or persons unknown took off in the distance. Grange said, I always have a backup plan, <laughs> he remarked. Good thing, Gwen. I didn't even consider an ambush. Your father would have. Grange began. She held up her head. Gave a good shake of her head. You know her father? Rick asked him. We were poker buddies a few years back. Grange said, good man. Thanks. What said it? She was referring to. Totally to the compliment. Grange would keep her secrets. It's all in his eyes. Rick was brushing thick dusk off his jacket. And it's like, damn, they just came back from the dry cleaner. You should buy cotton. It cleans better. Marconado suggested indicating his own jeans and cotton shirt. Who was that, do you think? Kunas. Somewhere. Fratiz. Marconado spat. He and I have parted company. He amuses himself by sniping at me and my men. The drug lord? I thought his family was dead. Most of it is, yes. This is the last one of the few times, brothers. The stupid one. And he's clinging to power by his fingernails. The general told him. He spies on me for a federal agency. Not yours. He told Gwen with a smile. Ramirez left Gracie in the car and came back. I don't think she should risk coming out here in the open, he said. I agree. She is all right. Marcano asked with some time. Yes, Gracie really has guts. He replied from which agency is Fruity spying for? Yours, I think, my friend. Marcanano told the DEA agent. Ramirez let us. We know there's a mole in our agency. Someone very high level. We've never found out who it is. You should set Kill Raven on him. 
Glenn Muse Island. I probably should. We have our hands full right now with Mexican military coming over the border to protect drug shipments. He glanced on a border patrol agent who was talking to Gracie through a cracked window. Our men on the border are in peril always. We almost lost one some months ago. An agent named Kirk. He was very nearly killed. He left the agency and went back to his brothers on the Wyoming range. A great loss. He was good at his job, and he had contacts that we now lack. I can get you all the contacts you need, Machinano promised. He glanced toward the distant hill where the sniper had been emphasized. First time I was still with footsteps. I didn't hear you say that. No, nor I, Ramirez. Well, I did, Rick replied. And you're still wanted on kidnapping charges in my country, even though Mrs. Pendleton refuses to press them. Machinano's large eyes went... You would turn your father into the authorities. Example. The law is the law. You keep a book of statues on your person. <laughs> the general asked. Rick learned him. I've been a cop for a long time. Amazing. It's been my life breaking most of the laws that exist. And here I find a son, a stranger, who goes by the book. His eyes not. I think perhaps they rigged the DNA evidence. He gave the detective a stirring look. I would never wear a suit like that or grow my hair long. You look like a, what is the expression? A hippie. Rick <laughs> glared at him. General glared back. Ah, uh, uh, the sniper, Ramirez reminded. He may have gone for reinforcements. True. Machinado to the ground. Perhaps you should order a sweep on the surrounding hills. Crane, I already have. Good man. We will soon have proper government in my country, and you will be the commander of the forces in my country. Ramirez choked. Wind colored. Rick looked at them, trying to figure out what the hell they were so, so disturbed. We should go, Ramirez said in the king car. I promised her husband that I would have her home very quickly. You might send a search party for us. Not a man to make an enemy of. Absolutely. Grange agreed. Thank you for making this meeting possible, Machinoffs. Thank you for making this meeting possible, Machinoffs said, extending his hand to Ramirez. Ramirez again, it wasn't my idea. Related to the president of Mexico, he thought it would be a good idea. Machinado was impressed. When I retake my country, perhaps you can speak to him for me about trade agreement. <laughs> for me, I the confidence in the other man's voice. Yes, perhaps I can't keep well. And you. Good and Marquis waves him off before turning back to Machinado. We should be going too, Marquis said. So. I have to get back to work. Machinado nodded. He studied some with curiosity. Perhaps later we can meet again. Perhaps. Rick replied. In a place where we do not have to fear an attack from enemies. My enemies. Marcanaro said, chicken is I don't think we can get to Mars yet. Rick whip Marcanaro left. Grange, we should go. Yes, sir. Marcanaro took Gwen's hand and kissed the back of it tenderly. This would have been a pleasure to meet you, Senorita. He said with pure velvet in his deep voice. Rick stepped in, took Gwen's hand and pulled her back. He glared at Marcanaro. Frank went almost kidding with the light. Marcanaro's duck ass moment. So this is like that, huh? Like what? Rick said innocently. Dark Gwen said and looked no girl. Never mind. I will be in touch. Thank you for coming, Gwen told her. It was truly a pleasure. He winked at her, gave Rick a dull, droll look, and climbed back into the truck with Grange. They disappeared over the border. Rick stood staring after the truck with mixed feelings. He turned, said goodbye to the border agent, and walked back to his truck with Gwen. Rick kept himself for the next couple of days. Gwen didn't ensure she knew that he was dealing with some emotional issues that he had to resolve in his own mind. Meanwhile, she went on interviews with neighbors with murder college freshmen, the case she'd been assigned to as lead detective. 
Did she have any close friends that you know of? She asked the third neighbor, an elderly woman who seemed to have a whole room full of cats. They were clean, brushed, well-fed, and there was no odor, so she must be taking care of them. Oh, you noticed the cats? The woman asked her with a grin that made her seem young. I'm babysitting. Crimbling, excuse me? Babysitting. I have full neighbors with cats, and we have a problem with animals disappearing around here. So they leave their cats with me while they are at work, and I feed them. It's a nice little windfall for me since I'm disabled, and the owners have emotional security since they don't have to worry about their furry families going missing. Impressive. Thanks. I love animals. I wish I could afford to keep a cat, but I can't. This is the next best thing. Gwen noted several pill bottles on the end table there were ladies retainer. By the time I pay for all those of my social security check, she told Gwen, there's not much left over for bills and food. Gwen went, that's not right. The woman said, the economy is terrible. I expect something awful will happen to happen will have to happen to finally set things right. She looked at Gwen over her glasses. I don't expect to still be around then, but if aliens exist and they want somebody to experiment on, she raised her hand. I'm ready to go to some nice green planet with lots of meadows and trees and no greedy humans destroying it all for a quick profit. You and I would get along, Gwen said with a smile. Woman, now, back to my neighbor. I do keep a watch on the apartment complex, mostly to try to protect myself. I can't fight off an intruder, and I don't own a gun, so I make sure I know who belongs here and who doesn't. Her eyes not. There was a grimy young man with greasy hair who kept coming to see the college girl. She was trying to be nice, you could tell from her expression, but she never let him inside. Once, the last time he came, the police went to her apartment and stayed for several minutes. Gwen's heart jumped. If there had been police presence, there would be a report which details the conversation. Jotted down the no she jotted that down on her phone app, making virtual notes. That thing is neat, the other lady said. One of my cat owner friends has one. He can surf the net on it, buy groceries, books, all sorts of things. I never realized we had such things in the modern world. I suppose I live in the past. Gwen made a mental note to make sure this nice lady got a phone, several phone cards for Christmas from an anonymous source. It would revolutionize her life. Yes, they are quite nice, Gwen said. She smiled. Thanks for talking to me. You've been a very big help. It, is, it was my pleasure. I know you young folks don't have much street time, but if you're about to lose, then you can come and see me, and I'll tell you all about the FBI in the 70s. Instead, I was a federal agent, the woman told me. One of the first women in the bureau. I would love to hear some stories about those days, Gwen told and I'll make time. The wrinkled face lit up. Thank you. No, thank you. I'm fond of pioneers, she replied. She told Rick about the elderly woman. Yes, Evelyn Dorsey, he nodded smiled. She's something of a legend over at the FBI field office. Garen Greyer goes to see her from time to time. He was the SAC, the special agent in charge in the Santana field office now. He was the SAC, the special agent in charge at the San Antonio field office now. She shot it out with a gang of would-be kidnappers right over on the 14, 410 loop. Hit two of them before they shot her, almost fatally, and escaped. But she had a description of the car, right down to the license plate number, and she managed to get it out on the radio before she passed out. They nabbed the perps ten miles away. Back in those days, the radio was in the car, not on a belt. It was harder to be in law enforcement. I expect so. Mrs. Dorsey was very helpful in our college freshman case, by the way. We did have a patrol unit respond to the freshman's call. I'm tracking down the officer who filed a report now. I hope we can catch the guy, he replied. The cold case unit wants him very badly. I think he's connected to the old case they're working on, she said. One of those detectives was related to the victim in it. Sad. Yes, she moved closer. 
You're doing okay. You don't know. <laughs> so it was amazing. Well. Why don't you come over and watch the Twilight movies with me tonight? We can order pizza. Cock this in the smoke. You know, that sounds like a very good idea. Glad you think so. I like mushrooms and cheese and pepperoni. Is that real? Have you been checking my, checking out my profile? No. Why? That's my favorite. Another time. Thinking common. We'll find more, I think. Yes. Rick wasn't comfortable with so-called chick flicks, but he was drawn into the movie almost at once. He barely noticed when the pizza delivery girl showed up and only lifted his he hand for the plate and co coffee cup without taking his eyes off the screen. Gwen was delighted it was her favorite film. She kicked off her shoes and curled up beside him on the sofa to watch it again, sipping coffee and munching pizza in a content silence. It's amazing she thought how comfortable they were with each other, even at this early stage of the relationship. He glanced at her while the vampire was showing off his skills to the heroine on the screen. You're right. This is very good. So are the books. I love all of them. I guess I'll have to buy them if it isn't often you find so many likable people in a story chain. She sipped coffee. You know, I hadn't thought of it in that way. But you're right. Even the vampires are likable. Odd, isn't it? Likable monsters. But they aren't really monsters. They're just misunderstood, livingly challenged people. First of all, I mean, more pizza? Yes. I think I can hold on one more slice. Me too. She jumped up and went to get it. After they finished eating, she curled up against him. Through the heroine's introduction to her boyfriend's family, the baseball game in the ring, the arrival of the more dangerous vampires, the heroine's in brush with death, and finally, her parents at the prom and a cast with her boyfriend. That was a roller coaster ride, anymore. Are there more? Two more. Want to watch the next one? Turn toward her, his dark eyes on a radiant face. He purchased a yes, I would, but not right now. Put it across. I'm suffering from affection deprivation. Do you think you can assist me? Could I? She whispered as his mouth came down on hers. Each kiss became harder, more urgent as they grew accustomed to the feel and taste of each other. The pleasure grew, and it became more difficult to pull back. He actually groaned when he found himself lying over with after her clothes out of the way, just like before. Bare his face in a warm, frankly pulsing turn. I'm dying. He found out. Me too, she whispered back. She heard. He lifted his head. His eyes were warm. How do you feel about marriage? She blinked. He realized that he, the most non-impulsive man on earth, was doing something totally out of character, but he was already crazy about Gwen. The lieutenant was lurking. Even Machinato had been giving her long looks. He didn't want her to end up with some other man while he was waiting for the right moment to do something. Besides, he was traditional. Traditional. So was she. And there was this incredibly, almost unbearable physical compa compatibility compatibility. He said, look, we get along very well. We're Incredibly suited physically. We have similar jobs, outlooks on life, philosophies, and we're on the same social level. Why don't we drive over the border, get married right now? Afterward, he added with a speaker, we can do what we're both dying to do without lingering feelings of guilt. Her lips parted. She should have challenged that social level in comparison immediately. But her body was on fire, and all she could think of was relief. She loved him. He was at least fond of her. They both wanted kids. It would work. She would make it work. Yes, she blurted out, forcing himself to get off of her, and pulled out a cell phone, scrolled down a list of names, and punched in a button. Yes, Ramirez. Sorry. The car is late. Can you give me a direct line to the general? I need his help on a... He glanced at Gwen. Personal matter. Ramirez <laughs> said, All right, but show me one. Yes, I do. There was a pause. Another pause. Rick motioned Gwen for a pencil and paper. He wrote down a number. Thanks. He told Ramirez and hung up. He dialed a number. Yes, it's your. He hesitated. Your son. How do you feel about giving away the bride at a Mexican wedding? 
Oh, in about 30 minutes, there was a burst of Spanish from the other end of the line. Rick replied in the same language, protesting that he wasn't up to anything immoral. He was just trying to make sure everything was done properly. That man a proper wedding. The general seemed to calm down. Another hesitation. Rick grinned. Thanks. He said he hung up. Turned to go in person. Do you have a white dress? Do I have a white dress? She exclaimed and ran into the next room to put it on. She left her hair long. The dress was close-fitted with puffy sleeves and a draped beaded shawl. She looked young and innocent and most incredibly sexy. Rick's body reacted to her visibly clear, so don't notice that. He said curtly, oh, okay, she giggled as she joined him. Look up into his dark eyes. Are you sure? She asked suddenly. He framed her face in his hands and kissed her with breathless in I don't know why, but I've never been so sure about anything. No cold feet. She shook her head. Her eyes were full of dreams. Oh, no, not at all. He smiled, same here. We can share ammunition, too, so be cost-efficient to get married. She burst out laughing. I'll be sure to tell my father that when I explain why I didn't invite him to the ceremony. He grimaced, I'll have to do the same for my mother, but we don't have time to get them all together. We're eloping. Your father will have to be in the audience, she said. My father <laughs> smiled. Let's go. The general was waiting for them at the border. They followed him down a long, dusty road to a small village and stopped in front of a mission church with a shiny new bell. I donated the bell, the general informed him. They are good people here, and the priest is a nice young man from the United States. He hesitated, glancing from one or the other. Did not think to ask which religious domination. Catholic people spoke at once, stared at each other, the burst out of We hadn't discussed it before, Rick said. Well, it would be good. General said with a big smile, Come, the priest is waiting. You two, you are sure about this. Gwen looked at Rick with a heart and right. Very? Rick. Very, very. Rick added his dark eyes on. Then we shall proceed. The general took Gwen down the aisle of the church on his arm. The whole village came to watch, including a number of small children who seemed to find the blonde's lady's hair fascinating. The priest smiled, benevolently read the marriage service, and they came to the part of the ring. Rick turned and went, Oh, man. Oh, no. The general punched him. Here, I remember everything. He handed him a small circle of gold that looked just right for going insane. Something old did belong to my brother, yeah. He had it. My grandmother. He smiled. She would want it to stay in the family. It's beautiful. Gwen whispered, thank you. General nodded. Rick took the small circle of gold and slid it gently onto Gwen's finger, where it was a perfect fit. The priest pronounced the man and wife, and Rick went to kiss her. And then they were married. Neither of them remembered much about the rest of the evening. Back at Gwen's apartment, there was a feverish removal of cotton and lace, followed by an incredible long session in bed that left them both covered in sweat, boneless with pleasure and total exhaustion. Not that exhaustion stopped them. As soon as they were breathing normally again, they reached for each other and started all over again. You know, in no regard to me, the marriage would be so much fun. Rick commented when they were finally sleepy. Gwen curled up against him, warm and satisfied, laughed softly. Me either. I always thought of it as something a little more dignified, you know, for children. And she stopped. He turned and looked down on her guilty. Hey, you want kids? I want kids. What's the problem? You make it seem so simple. It is simple. Two people fall in love, get married, and have a family. His eyes were on fire with feelings. We go together, but not right away. Maybe not at all, he added willingly. When my mother realizes that I got married without even telling her, my dad is going to go ballistic too, she replied. Yeah, but he couldn't have come even if I'd... But he could have come even if I'd asked him. He's tied up military stuff right now. Is he on active duty? 
Oh, yes, she said, and there was another worry. She still to tell Rick who her dad was and all about the family he married into. That might be a source of discourse. So <laughs> she wasn't about to face it tonight. She curled up close to my arm. For a guy who never indulged, you're very good. She left. Compliment returned. He hugged her close. They said it comes naturally. I guess it does. Of course, they were, they were all these books I read for educational purposes only. <laughs> She can, and I read a few of those too. He bent, brushed his mouth gently over it. Um, I'm glad we waited. He said seriously, searching eyes. I know we're out of step with the world, but I don't care. This is right for us. Yes, it was. Thank you for having enough for straight. She had. We could have counted on me for it. I was on fire. So was I. But I'm thinking about later, generation later, when we tell our grandchildren and grand great grandchildren. About how it was when we fell in love and got married. It was a, it's a golden memory, not a legalization of something that had gone on before. She pressed her mouth into his warm, muscular shoulder with a smile. And the nicest thing is that you're already my best friend. You're mine too. He gets her. Go to sleep. We'll get up tomorrow and face the music. What? I'm just thinking he means that the lieutenant is going to pull with the mouth when we tell what? She exclaimed just hunch. He thought the lieutenant had a case on Gwen. Maybe, maybe not, but he was expecting fireworks the next day. End of chapter 8.